Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I, my name is Neil. I love to start off every single message with really corny jokes. And then uh, someone actually has been mailing me really bad jokes. It feels like it's went to a whole new level when you have mail coming in without a return address with a bunch of jokes. So this one's for you, whoever you are. I was having a bad time once, and my friend tried to comfort me. Could be worse, he said. He could be stuck at the bottom of a deep hole filled with water. I know he meant well. I know he meant well. Grandpa always said, when one door closes, another opens. Amen? That's good truth, right? Great man, horrible cabinet maker. That's all I got for you. Today, I'm going to talk about vision blockers. We're going through the book of Acts, and we're looking at what the Bible says the church could look like. And so as we've been diving through the book of Acts, you're going to see that there's some things that try to stop the church from moving forward. And I'm calling those vision blockers, things that God has ahead of us, the direction that he has for your life. And sometimes there's things that come in our life or have maybe been there and sitting there that want to block the vision that God has ahead. Wouldn't it be amazing if God just showed you the picture of your life? And said, okay, well, here's the right turn. You go here, and then you're going to take this, and here's what I want for you. Here's the end of your life. And, you know, aren't you glad you just knew this roadmap? Has anybody seen that before? Just this really clear roadmap? A lot of times our life looks like a painting, doesn't it? Where it's God taking out the brush strokes, and he's starting on this side, and he's kind of painting. You can kind of see what it might become. Don't think of Bob Ross, but... You know, (laughs) you can kind of see what it's going to become, but a lot of times it's sitting there and waiting and being patient and just saying yes to the things that are ahead of us as God reveals them to us. As I was uh, praying about this message this week, we're going through the book of Acts, we're in chapter 10, and every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, I go over and walk with my dad. We, We go for about a block and a half walk, and we sit on a park bench, and we watch the birds, and then we walk back to the house. And so I was telling him, like, yeah, we're in Acts 10. He goes, oh, that's really cool, because we just, he's a pastor also, and he's like, yeah, I just preached on that last Sunday. I'm like, how cool is that? I mean, what are the chances that, you know, he'd be preaching on the like, same exact thing that we're talking about today? And he started to break down Acts 10 to me. It's like, wow, that's so cool, Dad. Like, I had no idea. But the bigger picture of that is God knew that you were going to be here today and you would need some encouragement in the vision that God has for you. And so he put it on my dad's heart to preach this message about vision to his church last week and then for you to hear it this week. So if any of you came in the door like, I don't know if God really sees me in life. I kind of feel like I'm out there wandering alone. I want you to know that's just not true. That God sees every single intricate detail. He is painting the most beautiful picture of your life. He's taking out brushstroke after brushstroke of color and vibrancy. He has plans for the future of your life. 
He's here right now, isn't he? As we sing those songs, it's just like, yeah, God, you are so here. You are present. And so today I want to talk about one thing that's really that a lot of people struggle with that blocks our vision. And we're going to see it in Acts 10 where Peter actually almost has his entire vision of his life blocked from this thing. Peter is a man who was a disciple of Jesus. Jesus actually came to Peter when he was fishing, and Jesus said, hey, Peter, I want you to follow me. And so Peter follows Jesus. All throughout Jesus's life that Peter was with him for three years, he argued with Jesus on the vision for Jesus's life. <laughs> Peter was one of those people, he had his own vision for his life, and he would even argue with Jesus on what Jesus was here to accomplish. He's arguing with God on what God has to accomplish in his life. But now we're picking up an Acts where Peter is full of the Holy Spirit. And we've been reading through this and we've been seeing that Peter is full of the Spirit of God, that God is using him mightily to actually bring people back to life. God's using him to raise people that were, have been bedridden for eight years and they like stand up and walk around. Like God's using Peter, Peter so much that people would bring out their sick so that Peter, when he would walk down Brady Street, um, his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. So like Peter is full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the presence of God. He's full of everything that is offered to us today. But yet alone, there's this thing that keeps haunting Peter that wants to block what God has for Peter's life. And we're gonna find it in Acts 10. One, if you guys want to turn there, great. Um, if not, it's going to be up here on the screen. If you brought your Bibles, awesome. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Come, Holy Spirit, even more, Lord. We just, we just invite you in this place. Your presence just fill our hearts and our minds. Lord, I just pray for this message to come across loud and clear of the vision that you have for each one of our lives, Lord. Anything that's complicated, anything that's confusing, anything that would wanna get in the way of your word this morning, Lord, we just, we just choose to shelf that. And we just say, God, we wanna hear from you. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak through me, not the, the plans that I have for this morning, but Lord, your plans. And so um, just choose to just be used by you, just would you fill me with your presence? Would you fill me with your power, with your words that you want to say to your kids? Just choose the shelf, everything that is on my agenda this morning. And Lord, we just, we're here for you, God. That's what we're here for. And so um, speak loud and clear. Amen. So we're going to read Acts 10, 1 through 8, and then we're going to kind of break that down and then keep going through this whole uh, Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those who were in need and prayed to God regularly. Cornelius seems like a pretty good guy, right? He gives to those in need, prays regularly. One day at three in the afternoon, he had a vision he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, and Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up in a memorial offering before God. 
Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying, in si- he is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the Lord had spoke to him and had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of, the, one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened to him and sent them to Joppa. So we have Cornelius. He's a, he's a very, he's a God-fearing person, but he's also a Gentile. And so at this time, you have Gentiles and you have Jews. And so Cornelius was a Gentile. He uh, is actually putting himself out there to put an invite into Peter because to invite a Jew over to your house, most likely they're going to say no at this time because there's a gigantic rift between Jews and Gentiles at this time. But he follows the instructions of God. He follows the instructions of this angel that spoke to him. And so he calls for Peter. Let's see what happens. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He fell into a trance. So this is more than the trance you get when you drive past Armor Gardens on Sunday afternoon, thinking of that chicken sandwich. Your mouth starts to slobber. This is more than that. Uh, It's more than driving past Chipotle, just dreaming of those burritos. Peter's hungry, and God uses his hunger to put him into a state of mind that he can actually like speak to him. How many of you have had that in your life, that there's a hunger inside of you, not for burritos, but for something to change? You know, there's a hunger for justice, and God just puts that on your heart, and you're like, man, I just can't shake it. There's a hunger for people to know the Lord. There's a hunger for people in your workplace to to have a relationship with Jesus. And so God uses hunger in our life to actually bring us to a place where we're so hungry for God to move that we're willing to say yes to what he's inviting us into. And so this is Peter. He's, He's really hungry, but he's also hungry for something spiritual. He's hungry for what God has for him next. And so God uses his hunger to actually speak to him. And this is what he sees. He saw heaven open up and something like a large sheep being let down on the four corners of the earth. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken up to heaven. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Immediately the sheet was taken up into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent from Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out and as if and said, if Simon, who is also known as Peter, is staying here. While Peter was still thinking about this vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go with them 
for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what it is that you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guest. Notice that Peter pushed back. He says in verse 14, it says, Surely not, Lord, I have not eaten anything impure or unclean. So at this time, the Old Testament actually would give you a description of the stuff that you could eat. Okay, so Peter knew that. He was a very righteous man. He was a very religious man. And he says, I, I, I can't eat of that. And so God drops down these uh, alligators and um, pork and, and, you know, all these things. And Peter says, no, I can't eat of that stuff because I'm a righteous man. But Peter's invited to eat that. Knowing Peter from the Gospels, if Peter is 100% into something, he is 100% into something. He's all in. He's 110%. And most likely, he's probably projected this, you can only eat this stuff to other people around him. So he's, he's upholding what God is doing in him. The other part of this that, that I just wonder about is God is using Peter for all these miraculous things, right? I mean, he just saw somebody raised from the dead, and he had a part in that to pray over that. And I just wonder, like, how much of... I've been eating clean. I pray three times. Therefore, God is using me. And here's God himself going, hey, Peter, go ahead and eat. You know, you can eat anything you want on the sheet now because Jesus' blood, it paid for it all. And so I wonder how much that, okay, well, if I do this, like I'm not gonna be used by God anymore. We have Peter full of the Holy Spirit pushing back on God once again. Not the old Peter before the Holy Spirit, but now Peter full of the Holy Spirit arguing with the Lord. Have you ever been there before? You know God's got this for you. You know this is the right direction, but yet alone you want to argue. I just think of, uh, we have a man, or man eating, whoa, semi-eating bridge. That makes so much more sense. Sorry to put that picture. Whew. So Brady Street and Harrison Street. Have you ever followed a semi down Harrison Street? Flashing signs, turn right, turn right. They're in the left lane. Turn right, turn right. They're still in the left lane. I'm like honking at them like, hey, Buddy, like the signs, they hit the plastic things that like tell you you're too tall to go under the bridge. Oh, I'm going to try it anyways and just keep going. And so many times, like I, I feel like that in life where God's like, you know what, Neil, like I have these amazing things for you. Turn right, turn right. You know, straight ahead, this is actually going to be, it's going to be heartache. There's hurt ahead. So, so here's what I actually have for you. You know, you might take a right turn. And it's, it's the right way. Trust me. Trust me in this. We went over to uh, Ariel's house looking for her cat the other day. And we took uh, I-80 across. And I noticed on the way back to, to Iowa 
that there's a bunch of traffic. But I'm like, you know what? Like, it's not going to be for me. Like, we'll, we'll beat the traffic, whatever. And so on our way back, uh, I felt like I was supposed to go to I-74 because, you know, there's traffic on I-80. And I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. And so here we are on I-80 for an hour and a half with a car that overheats, so I have no air conditioning, and I have two big dogs slobbering on me, and I have somebody telling me in the front seat, like, why didn't you go to 74? (laughs) It's so hot. We're sweating. (laughs) Just... You know what? I mean, I could have like veered off and did the off-ramp and stuff, but I'm like, no, I'm staying on 80. I'm going to make it across. But I didn't. And there's so many times in life where the Lord wants to save us, you know, where he wants to like help us and process this and let's walk through this. And man, I have 74. It's wide open to you. And yet alone, we're just like stuck in 80. No, I'm just going to suffer through this. Windows are down, we're dying. I'm turning the car off because it's overheating. Okay, that's where I'm at. And then I got guys behind me honking. We're only going like 10 feet at a time. Like, just let me sit here. Anyways, (laughs) sorry. I'm gonna shelf everything that is my agenda. And God, what do you wanna say? Peter finally gets done arguing with God Peter is using religion against God. Think of that. He gets done arguing with God and ends up going to hang out with Cornelius. He goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius invites his family, his friends, the entire town comes over, and people start following Jesus Christ. Not only that, they're baptized. And Peter gets to be a part of this. This is, this is all part of God's vision for Peter's life. It's all part of the plan. The number one vision blocker that wants to block the vision that God has for your life is religion. It's religion. Because it comes with a bunch of check marks that you can't accomplish. You can't fulfill all the check marks and the the boxes you're supposed to check to be religious enough. And so what it does is it blocks the vision that God has for your life. It's check boxes like God wants to use you, and then yet alone you're thinking, but I'm still losing my cool. Anybody else identify with that? I still, I, still throw, I still throw a fit once in a while. There's no way God could use me. I still have a temper. You should have seen me on I-80. There's no way God could use me. Check. I guess like I'm out. What God has, the vision that he has for my life, I got like, to focus on this. I don't read my Bible enough to, for God to use me. I, I've only been following Jesus for three months. How in the world is he going to use me? Somebody like me? I don't pray enough. Religion wants to push all these check, check marks on us that we, we got to go through each one of these boxes and then go, okay, now I have finally been approved by God because of what I've done. 
Now I can finally pay for my past because of all the good stuff I'm doing in the future. And we think that's riding on us. And I have amazing news for you today. A super good encouragement is that God is a God of your present and your future. The past has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's like completely, totally paid for. Every one of us gets a gold star. You've done good. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm well pleased. Every one of us gets a gold star. When I realized that God wasn't as hung up on my past as I was, there was a new sense of freedom. Because I had a lot of people in my life that were very hung up on my past. But it took God to go, I don't care about your past, man. I take what the enemy meant for evil, and then I turn it for good. There's freedom in that. There's freedom to dream with the Lord. There's freedom to have vision for your future. There's freedom to read the Bible and go, wow, God could use me like that. It's not about the check marks. It's about God having an open heart that just says, yes, Jesus, use me. Like, I want to be used by God. Yes, Jesus. Jesus did not leave heaven to come to earth and be hung on a cross so that we could be religious. He came so we could have a relationship. Like this thriving relationship where you just grow closer and closer with God each and every day. I want to, um, I woke up at 1.20 in the morning last night with two words that stem from the word religious. And the first word is confusion. And the reason is, is because the more you're religious, the more confusing everything is. I don't know if I, did I complete the right steps? Did I do the right things? And it just gets really confusing sometimes. Not really sure. Um, there's a lot of like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. God's word makes us so clear. Love God and then love people. And it's like, it's that simple, but yet alone religion wants to twist that and make it really, really confusing for people. So I just invite you today, if like things are just, you know, the whole God and and uh, like actually having a life like where God's involved in your life, if it's just been really confusing, I just invite you to shelf religion and go, God loves me enough that he wants a relationship with me. And it's like that beautiful. It's that simple. And he's crying out for a relationship with his kids. And then the other word is this, the skeptics. Skepticism is another word that I just woke up with. 
religion is really confusing, and then you have skepticism. And skepticism, what it is, is projecting your religion on other people, even on the church. Just really skeptic of everything at all times. And then you see, God has vision for you to be in a body and to be in a tight-knit body where you have friends and community that can walk you through stages of life. But if skepticism will keep you away from that vision that God has for you. Skepticism comes from religion. I'm just a skeptic about everything because I don't know that they're doing the right stuff. Focus on us and love God and love people and love the skeptics. Love people and their journey. Those are two words I just invite you to today. If you're like, yeah, just this stuff has been really confusing for me in the past. Shelf skepticism, shelf confusion. And just say, you know what, God, I just want what you have for me, the vision you have. Trust him. Listen to his voice. Press in. Tune your ear to heaven. Multiple miracles happened when Peter pushed religion away. Cornelius is now a believer. God's word came true to Cornelius. That vision that he had from the Lord, with Peter going to his house, it actually completed the vision that God had for Cornelius. His family and his town now believe in Jesus. He's baptized. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. They have a vision and a hope for the future all because Peter said yes to God and no to religion. Yeah. I just want to make it really clear. Your past is covered. The plans and the hope that God has for your life were not determined 10 years ago. They weren't determined two years ago. They weren't determined last night. God wakes us up with new mercy every morning. All he can think about is your future. That's it. That's what he's focused on is today and what's next. Let the past be the past. Don't get hung up in religion and let God be the God of your future. So let him like reveal that week after week, day after day. 